Amen. Please be seated. I invite you, please, to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and the words to which I would call your attention this morning come to us from verses 1 through 4 of the 8th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Remember that as we read God's Word, we do so as an act of worship. Let's give attention to it um, now. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, Lord Jesus, you sit, even at this very moment, crowned in majesty, clothed with a royal robe, your body shining brighter than the day. We come before you now to listen to your word, to reflect on your incarnate ministry. And we ask that you would continue to fulfill this ministry in our midst, build us up, strengthen us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit would say to the church. We pray in your name. Amen. There's an interesting little story in the book of 1 Samuel, and Saul has been crowned king, and he's told by the Lord to engage in a holy war. He's to go against the Amalekites, and the Amalekites were the the earliest enemy of the Israelites. And there was a certain king by the name of Agag, and Saul's mission given to him by the Lord was to to go to the Amalekites and totally wipe them out, man, woman, child, down to every donkey. Well, Saul didn't fulfill his mission. Instead, he left one man alive, the king, Agag. And Saul comes parading out, and there Samuel confronted him. He says, what have you done? And Samuel confronted him with these words. He said, presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. You see, there was a tradition in, in, amongst the Jewish people that you don't want to be too righteous and you don't want to be too wise. You don't want to be too righteous and you don't want to be too wise. In other words, what does that mean? In other words, never ever presume yourself to be more righteous than God or wiser than God. And we do that. And the the objection that Samuel had against Saul was this. 
you think that you're more merciful than God. You think by sparing this man's life, you're being merciful. And so Samuel says to him, can you out-mercy God? As we think about this, we, we remember that we have to be very careful to define terms like this, terms like love. We, we throw that around, don't we? Especially uh, on Mother's Day. Mom, I love you. What if you mothers turn to your sons and daughters and say, what do you mean by that exactly? What do you mean? We use terms like love. We use terms like mercy. We use terms like grace. But what, what do they really mean? We are called as God's people to go into this community and to show people mercy. What does that mean? What does it look like? Saul thought he knew what mercy meant. But he didn't. And he sinned against the Lord. This morning we are thinking about this very term. We're thinking about the term mercy in light of the way that Jesus interacted with this leprous man. This man who has this skin disease on his body. Some call themselves merciful when in fact, really, you are just one who indulges the sin of other people. A little like Saul. But Jesus, as he interacts with this leper, teaches us this. That to extend mercy, at least in his case, means accepting the consequences that was due to them for their sin. Jesus extends mercy to those who seek it by accepting their consequences. Now, you notice as we're moving our way through Matthew's gospel here, we find ourselves again in a narrative section. We just finished a year in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has preached and preached and preached to us, and we've learned a lot over that course. But now it's time for the introductory part of his ministry to come to a close, and now we are full on in the Galilean ministry. And he's going to make his way now up to the city of Capernaum, which will become headquarters. And he'll go into Peter's house, which is um, the headquarters for Jesus' ministry. And so section 2 of Matthew's gospel is from chapter 8 to chapter 10. We're going to come to another sermon in just a couple of chapters, beginning with verse 5 of chapter 10. One thing that we notice about this section, I hope that you'll pay very careful attention, is how frequently men refer to Jesus by a particular title. It is the title Lord. Over and over and over again, some 65 or so times from Matthew chapter 8 to Matthew chapter 28, men are going to call him Lord. It causes us to reflect a little bit on a phrase, a statement that Jesus made in the last chapter, isn't it? Many will say to me, Lord, Lord. So as we're looking at all of these men, all of these men who come to him and say, Lord, 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 Lord. We ought to wonder, what does he mean by that? What do I mean by that? And as we see in chapter 8... Jesus taught, he is taught authoritatively. Now he's going to put that authority on display. Well, how are we going to see Jesus' authority? 
Well, we need to see it. How is he going to display it? Well, he's going to start healing people again. And this time, Matthew records some very specific details. How he healed them. Who he healed. So that maybe when you meet some of these folks in heaven, and he says, remember that one you read about, that leper who came to Jesus and was healed? That was me. That would be pretty cool. We see also in these pages the relationship between faith and authority. The first thing that we notice in Matthew 8 verse 1 is that Jesus extends mercy by accepting our consequences. You see, we're starting to put some edges on what this mercy means. What do you mean by that? Well, when I say mercy, I mean Jesus extends it by accepting our consequences. This scene is a visible demonstration of God's mercy in Christ. Let's notice again what happens. Uh, Matthew wants you to notice. So here's Jesus. He's preached this sermon. Perhaps the same day, he's coming down and whole crowds are following him. Why is that important? Why is that important? Remember, the picture of Christ on that mountaintop, he is seated there on his throne. And he is speaking to his people. And he is surrounded in the very nearest part by his disciples. And behind the disciples are the people of Israel. This is a picture of the tabernacle of God. The tabernacle in the middle, the people of God around the very inside of that tabernacle, and then outside are the outsiders, the outcasts, the unclean, the people who are not welcome in the congregation of Israel. So now the tabernacle has folded up and off it goes. And what do we see? The people of Israel walking behind the living tabernacle, the dwelling place of God going before them in the wilderness. They're coming along. Great multitudes are following him. Matthew wants you to look and see something. So he says to you, look, behold, look out there, a leper is coming to him. And Jesus is approached by this leprous man. Now, you have to understand something. There's, this passage is filled with technical language. It's kind of like reading a, a desktop medical encyclopedia. We have to dive into this and understand some things about it. Leprosy was an incurable skin disease. An incurable skin disease. Now, we don't know exactly what it was, but we do know that it had a certain effect on anyone who was afflicted by, by this leprosy. You were called in the Hebrew, Tameh. You don't want that label. That means that you are unclean. Anyone who had this skin disease upon him was considered unclean by the people of Israel. Now let me ask you, understanding the picture of Israel's camp, where did you live? Outside. To have leprosy meant that you were separated from the people of God. To have leprosy meant that you were separated from the worship of God. It meant that you were outside the camp. You think of some of you wear an Apple Watch and your objective every day is to complete those rings. Well, on your Apple Watch, you have a schematic of the camp of Israel, the very inner ring. That's the holy place. 
The outer ring, just around that, is where the people of Israel camped. And then the outer ring is no man's land. It's the wilderness. And so what happens? A a man who is afflicted by leprosy, he can't visit his family. They can't go out to visit him. He is totally ostracized. In fact, if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 13. Let's, Let's notice how these people had to live. Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Leviticus 13, verses 45 and 46. All of Leviticus 13 is devoted to leprosy. Leviticus 13, verse 45 says this, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes okay let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out tame tame unclean unclean that way if you're headed in the same direction as this man you can cut a wide berth around him why you don't want to touch him because he can transfer that uncleanness from himself to you. And guess what that means for you? Where are you sleeping tonight? Outside the camp. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So you see, when we talk about unclean, cleanness and uncleanness, these are technical terms. It determined what side of the tracks you got to live on. Now look back at this leper that Matthew wants you to see coming before Christ. Now you understand exactly why he phrased his question to Christ in the words that he did. Look at it. Lord, If you will, you can make me clean. Why didn't he say heal me? Because this is a Jewish man. And he wants, not just for the leprosy to go away. You see, that's not his desire. He's not asking for healing. He wants restoration to the people of God and to the worship of God. He wants to be able to take his sacrifices to God's temple and offer it there and lift his voice with the people of God in God's worship. We notice here, just a technical thing, That even at this moment in the ministry of Christ, the ceremonial law that God gave to Moses is still in effect. They still are sacrificing. They're still cutting the throats of lambs. They're still casting the blood upon the altar. Why is that important? Why is it so important that you at this moment right here understand that the law of Moses is still in effect? Why do you have to understand that? Because look at how Jesus healed this man. What did he do? He stretched out his hand and he touched him. What does that mean? Where's Jesus sleeping tonight? He didn't just touch 
the leper. If you go and read Mark 1, 40 to 45, Jesus reached out and he grabbed this man. Listen, perhaps, maybe the first time that this man had been touched in decades. Is by Christ. Jesus threw his arms around him and assumed the consequences of his illness. So you see, when, when you think about mercy, it's, when God shows mercy to people, it's not just throwing things away. It's not just saying, well, we're going to sweep the consequences under the rug. The consequences have to go somewhere because God is a just God. He doesn't just say, well, we're going to forget about that little picadillo. No. When you come to God and you confess your sins to Him and He says, I will be mercy, merciful to Him, what He's saying is I will take that sin and put it upon Christ. I'll take that sin and put it upon Christ. I'll take that sin and I'll put it upon Christ. And every single one is heaped upon His back. And every single person who comes to Christ, that sin is placed upon the back of a single individual, the God-man Christ Jesus who says, I'm willing. Be cleansed. Mercy is not just a throwaway. It is a costly transaction. It cost Jesus something to show you mercy. Christ freely cleansed this man and he did so in a tender way, but in a way that cost him personally. Now, who's on the outside of the camp? And this scene should cause you to think about your own need for Christ's mercy. Like leprosy, sin separates you from the fellowship of God and his people. You might say, I don't have a skin disease. I use a loofah every night. But you do have the disease of sin. You are born with it. From the very moment of your conception in the womb, you are guilty of Adam's sin. There's never a moment in your life where you can say, well, I'm, I, I think I'm innocent today. You think of the picture of Psalm chapter 1, verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. That's the picture. Who are on the outside? those who are sick with sin, those who have not received God's mercy. When God forgives sin, He does so by punishing it, by punishing it in the person of His Son, Christ Jesus. So that Peter, reflecting on this in chapter 2, verse 24 of his letter, would say, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. That's mercy. Do you see it? Do you understand it? It's not cheap. Jesus extends mercy by accepting your consequences. But there's a second thing we, we see here. Who gets this? This is the question, right? Okay, that sounds good. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I am sick with sin. I know that I need God's mercy. How do I get it? How do I get God's mercy? We might think that it's a little like 
attending a live showing of, of Oprah Winfrey's talk show. You get mercy and you get mercy and you get mercy, right? But notice in the text, who gets the mercy? All lepers. Jesus extends mercy, we see, to those who seek it. How does God extend mercy to lost people? How does he go about doing that? How do, we, how do I take part in that transaction? It sounds good. I want my sins to be taken off of me. I, I want Christ to suffer in my place. The leper shows that God extends mercy to those who seek it in Christ. God forgives those who seek forgiveness. That's a pretty simple principle. Note how the leper came to Jesus. Go back up with me to verse 2. Behold, Jesus, or Matthew again saying, look at him, look closely at him. Behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He's beseeching Christ. Uh, the, the word here where it says that he knelt before him, we could translate it, he's worshiping Christ. Now, that may be a little more than he's actually doing, but he is at least recognizing that Christ is a Lord who has authority, who can take this away from him. He knows that he can do something about his sickness. But let's note, you English majors, you grammar majors, note exactly what the leper said. If you will, you can make me clean. I and probably you, I actually had a Spanish teacher who would make us say, if we said, uh, Miss Sephor, uh, can I go to the bathroom? She would respond by saying, I don't know, can you? Uh, you'd be in a bad way if you tried to demonstrate your ability right there in the classroom. But she would make you say, may I, may I, may I, three times, just so you would get the point. You're not asking if you have the ability. Miss Sephora, do I have the ability to go to the bathroom? You're asking, may I have permission? Now look back at what the leper said. Lord, he doesn't say, if you can. He understands that Christ was only limited by his desire. If you will... You can make me clean. And what do we find? Christ is willing. He is willing. Jesus desired this man's restoration to God's people and to God's worship. And so he willingly took his place and suffered the consequences. Let me just remind you of one of those verses that you memorize as a young child that we say uh, very frequently when we confess our sins as a congregation, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse, you see now, now you know what that's talking about, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is that saying? Not only is he forgiving you, but he's taking away all of the consequences. He's taking you from the outside of the camp and bringing you, no, not just into the congregation, but into the very 
center of the tabernacle where you have communion through Him with God. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And you should note here, note well that Jesus in this vignette only healed one leper. He didn't cleanse every leper. He only cleansed the one who came to him. He only cleansed the one who sought him out. God does not forgive every rebel. He is not Oprah Winfrey uh, handing out forgiveness. So we conclude that today, many rebels remain in their sins. Jesus extends mercy to those who seek it by accepting their consequences. That's how and that's who. And so the question for you this morning is, why are you here? What have you come to Christ for this morning? What what do you need from him? What are you seeking? Some, Some come because mommy and daddy have told you to. Some come because it's Mother's Day. Some come because you want a better life. Man, I just need a few things straightened out. Jesus would say to you, no, I've come to give you much more than that. I've come to give you life. I've come to take your place. Those with true faith come to Christ for restoration to the people of God and restoration to the worship of God. Have you acknowledged Christ's power? Christ's might? Have you come to Him as the Savior of sinners? Perhaps you attend worship because you think doing so. Just being here is going to rub off on me. It's a checkbox for me. It helps me a little bit in the afterlife. Have you imitated this leper in your own life? Have you opened your mouth, confessed your need, and asked Jesus to cleanse you? First John 1 John 1.9 is in the present tense. If we are confessing our sins, ongoing habit of life, He is faithful and just to be forgiving us of our sins and to be cleansing us from all unrighteousness. This becomes the habit of the believer. We impersonate this leper day in and day out, always rejoicing in knowing that every time, every time I confess, every time I go before the Lord, He is faithful and just to cleanse me. Because that cross had infinite value to cover every sin I confess to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he, as the God-man, 
had authority. Why is that important to us? Because he has authority to forgive sin. The authority to lay down his life and to take it up again. He is invested with power from on high. Power to speak the word of God. And demonstrated, his word has authoritative cleansing power. And so we pray this morning for each and every one of us. Lord, prick our hearts. Let us all go out of here encouraged to confess our sins to you, knowing that our sins are against you and you only, so that we might receive from you mercy through Christ who has endured your wrath in our place. We ask this for the praise of the glory of his name. Amen.